0: Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Good morning. It's been three long years. It was three years ago right now that I was here last. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. That's basically the time that Jesus was on earth with his disciples, um, that period of time. So uh, a lot can happen in that period of time, as Jesus found out and did all those things. Well, I've got news for you, I've got stories for you today, I've got a situation all around the world that should excite you. This is far beyond anything we ever imagined before. When I say that, I've come to you over the years, somebody told me I've been coming here since 1997, I feel real old, but anyway. Over the period of time I've been bringing you stories about victory of the church all around the world and it's true And it's been growing and growing and growing and growing This last three years it went to a brand new level Something that has never been experienced before in 2,000 years of missions We have more people coming to the Lord right now around the world than at any point in time by far We're not dealing with a few. We're not talking about one country We're talking about dozens and dozens of countries. There's still some hard areas, true, but in the places I'm going to be telling you about and many that I couldn't even get into today, you're going to be hearing about things that are going to stun you and second of all, you will struggle to believe. And the reason is, we are so accustomed to small numbers. We're not accustomed to God doing big things and therefore, I'm gonna stretch you this morning. There's no doubt about it. I've got proof. We've got witnesses I just came back from Southeast Asia last week. I was in Israel um, Four or five weeks ago. I was in Serbia and Albania Nick two weeks from now I'm in Ethiopia and the list goes on and It's just a matter of we are trying to keep up now with what God is doing in all these countries This is what we were praying for And when it comes to Persecution Sunday, Praying for the Persecuted Church, um, in all the countries, all the countries that I went to, I asked each one of the leaders, some of these were huge leaders of massive churches, and I sent message to them. If they couldn't come and see me, we had the feedback from them. In every one of the situations, it was this. Yes, we have persecution. Yes, these 40 pastors were just thrown in prison in China, in uh, China Gospel Fellowship. Yes, we've got, in Vietnam, five guys that were just put put in prison. And the list goes on of all those things. In every single case, though, they came back and they said, yes, this is the price a bond servant has to pay for success. Because they said this, they said, Ron, that's true, but listen, What God is doing. Look at how many are coming to know him. In other words, their eyes were on the prize. They weren't concerned necessarily about all the persecution, even though we should pray for it, as we have done, and continue to pray for all these folks who are suffering in all these areas of the world. There's no doubting that. But what I'm trying to do is shift gears and let you see the other side of the kingdom this morning. And this is the side of victory. And therefore if you'd like to take your Bibles just for a minute and if you brought them and I'm going to read to you a section here or guide you through it I don't have much time to go into it but I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 2 and just give you a quick rundown and then I'm going to try to take you all these places in these countries in Acts chapter 2 this is um, this is Pentecost Sunday and Peter and the boys are all gathering and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God is poured out. You know the story, I don't need to take you and read you all the verses. The Spirit of God comes down. The people who were touched by the Holy Spirit began to act differently. There was a quality coming out of them. It was an endument of power from on high. They were transformed in a moment of time, and they were looking different. In that fact, all the other people said, Why are these people so different? They're they're strange. Peter goes on to explain that this is what was prophesied in the end times. It's Joel's prophecy. And he goes on to tell that. Then he goes on and explains the gospel. He throws in some scripture appropriately throughout. And then, then he comes to the one part here. And give me a second to get my notes out. Then he comes to the one part here, which is very, very significant. And hang on. I haven't done this for a while. I've been traveling. Hang on. And then he goes in Acts 237 and he says this. It says there, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And the word pierced to the heart is an idiom. And what it actually means is this: they were experiencing acute emotional distress. That's what those words actually mean. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren what should we do? And I'm trying to convince you of this morning that this is what is going on around the world right now. The world is in a state of emotional distress. They don't know where to look. Why? Because COVID proved to be the trigger on the greatest tidal wave of people coming to know Christ that we've ever seen. And you can say, well, it was a lot of people died. There were. There were a lot of people died. I've got the stories from all around the world. But it brought people in other religions to the realization that those religions were empty. They had nothing to hold on to. There was nothing giving them peace. And at that time, they saw the difference. As on the day of Pentecost, they saw the difference between the world and people who were walking with the Spirit of God indwelling them. And coming upon them they had a different quality of life they stood apart and that's what we've seen in all these countries I'm taking you to we're seeing the fact that all of a sudden the Christians were notably different what they had joy they had the peace they had a calmness about them they had they had a serenity which had never been noticed before All of these things started to come into all these countries like the Indias and the Vietnams and the Laos and all these countries we're going to go to. And then all of a sudden, the people came and they said to the Christians, why are you different? What should we do? Because they were in emotional distress. Their worlds were crumbling. People were dying all around them. Animism had no hope. The worship of trees and rocks and and the, and the moon They were looking for a personal God to come and live within them, that they could know personally. And then when they looked at the Christians, they said, you are different. How did you get that? Where did you find that? And that's when people started to come. Um, In the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, it says that there were 3,000 that were added that day. In Acts 4.4, it said 5,000 men. In Acts 5.14, multitudes of men and women were constantly added. In Acts 6 and 7, this is after the day of Pentecost, the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly. In other words, they ran out of numbers. They were just using phrases at the end because there were so many that were coming, they couldn't count them. And this is what we're seeing today, but a 100 or maybe even a thousand times greater. Let me give you an illustration from from my history. When I was a little boy in Regina, Saskatchewan growing up, we would try to make a go-kart. Do you know what a go-kart is? Go-kart in my history is not something you go and you buy that's already pre-made of pipes and engines and everything like that. No, we had to make them out of nothingness. In other words, we'd find four wheels, we'd build a platform, we'd get an old um, uh, lawnmower engine, put it on the back, figure what pulleys did, found a steering wheel, and we built this thing. If it moved, it was a success. Well, I tell you, That what we are seeing today, if— and I'm not putting it down for one second, because the conditions that they were living under in the Roman Empire at that time, this was miraculous in the early church. No put down at all. But in comparison to what we're witnessing now, this was a go kart, and today we've got a V12 Rolls-Royce engine. That is the difference. And now, I'm going to show you why. I'm gonna take you first of all. Um, those numbers at the back mean something, don't they? Um, w- w- um, I really can't see them too well. Okay, <laughs> so um, India. We're gonna start with India. India is the country which is the quintessential example of how God moved under COVID and brought people to Himself. And this is when. If you remember, in the early days of COVID, India was shut down almost completely. They gave them 24 hours to go home, hunker down, you couldn't come out of your village, couldn't come out of your house, etc. Everybody did. They, there were people stranded up in the north, had to get down to the south. It was terrible. People were dying everywhere. And so they went through this, and what happened was is that the church was struggled, uh, struggling at the beginning. Why? Because the pastors got locked in their villages, and they couldn't visit the other villages that they ministered to. And therefore, they were stuck. So what did God do? He raised up 100,000 elders in those villages that didn't have a Christian leader or pastor. He raised up 100,000. And these are the ones that came up, and they were used in their villages to be examples. They mobilized whatever Christians were there. They went door to door, hut to hut. They went and they prayed for people. They shared what little bit of food that they had. They were in there day and night counseling, literally praying over houses for peace, for healing. At night, they would crawl out into the darkness, into the, the fields to get fruit and vegetables and things like that. They weren't supposed to do this. They crawled out. They. They took their bags with them, they brought it in, and they shared their food with the people that were starving. Everybody watched this. They couldn't believe it. We work there with one group. They've got over 25,000 churches. This is the size before COVID. He told me recently, the leader of this operation, very good friend, and he said, Ron, we don't know how many people have come to the Lord. We're not sure whether the church in India has doubled or tripled in size because of COVID. And he says, we're still trying to keep numbers going. And I said, so what's an example of what's going on? He said, when the people came back into the villages and they brought in the food, you would have Hindu priests hiding in their houses. You would have the Muslim clerics hiding, nowhere to be found, scared to death. But the Christians were out and all the businessmen and family members and everybody looked at these Christians and they couldn't believe what they saw. These are the ones they persecuted for so long. And these are the ones that were feeding them. Therefore, they came out. And afterwards, they said, now they want to be Christians. And he said, this leader, he says, Ron, all we do all day long now is water baptize. He says, that's all we do. I've got videos of lineups of people from here to that back door, double with a, a, a concrete area where they would wash clothes and they transformed that in a village into a baptismal tank and that's all they would do these were hindus coming in to be water baptized this never happened before the mini crusades that we would have and that they would that we'd put on you would take into a village a pastor and some music and you would do a week worth of meetings in a village. In that sort of village setting, they maybe before would have an average of about 50 to 75 people that would come to the Lord. And there would maybe 300 that would attend overall. Now he says, that's, that's never true. And he says now, where we would have 500 before, now we have 5,000. And he showed me these pictures, these pictures of fields that were filled with people, wanting to know why the Christians were different. Exactly the same as on the day of Pentecost. Why were they different? They weren't drunk. This is a power that came upon them. This meant that India, as a whole, started to see the new side of Christianity. Persecution dropped. Not to the point where it's non-existent, but it dropped in the face of this. And it's starting to build back up again. But all of a sudden, everything changed. Um, Where do, I, where do I go? Oh, I know what I'm under. to do. This is this. Not only that, not only did they have this revival with evangelism and people coming to the Lord, but a revival broke out in the church itself. In other words, with, be, with the believers. And he says, we're having a touch of heaven right now in the churches that already exist. He says, this is the manifest presence of Jesus that was promised to us. And I said, well, describe it to me. And he says this, we are seeing more baptisms than in all of India's history. Everyone is evangelizing. Hunger for God in believers, which is becoming contagious. Bible study, oh, he says Bible studies. He says Bible studies are breaking out everywhere. People are stopping their other activities and just delving into the Bible. And he says, have you got more Bibles? And I said, how many do you need? Well, a couple of million. And I said, that's for starters. He says, yeah, because we can't keep up with the need. He says, everybody wants a Bible right now. Massive prayer thrust. Personal life of leaders. Godly examples. A new burden for the lost. He says, miracles and healings are absolutely common now. Enthusiasm and energy... Not only that, but there's compassionate love. People aren't hoarding their goods. They're sharing. They're going and giving away everything that they have. Does that not remind you of Acts chapter four? What happened in the early church? This is India today, and it's going even faster than we imagined. Next country we're gonna go to, Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. I couldn't get into all the countries I needed to, so I brought the leaders out to see us. All my friends, you have no I Oh, you made the numbers bigger. That, that's a good idea. Oh, okay. I get the hint. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Too bad I never learned how to count though. Um, I brought these leaders in from the various countries right around in Southeast Asia. And the one fella came in from Vietnam. And he's sitting there, and he says, Ron, we've never had it so good. He says, we thought we were, we were, we were strong as a church and growing. He says, we are now training 1,000 pastors just for the new growth over the last two, two and a half years. And he says, young pastors are going into villages that are previously untouched with the gospel. These are animistic villages that they, they, they worship nature. Let's put it that way. And they walk in... And he says, when they walk in, they have a smile on their face. They're joyful and they walk into a village and everybody comes and rushes at them. 300 people sometimes. And they say, aren't you afraid to die? COVID's coming. And there's very, trust me, there's very little um, COVID, in the jungles of Vietnam. Um, it's, it's Every once in a while, it is there, but not as much as you might think. And therefore, it's more rumor than anything else. They didn't know what to do because they thought that they would wipe it out. And there was nothing in their history, nothing in their belief system that could compensate for this. And therefore, here you've got all these people surrounding a young pastor, sometimes as young as 16 years old. And these 16-year-old pastors are just Overwhelmed. And they sit there and they say, well, I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going. I know the God that made all of this around us, all of nature. I'll explain the story to you if you like. They sit down, he explains it for two days, the entire village comes to the Lord, this this leader told me. He says, they are coming now so quickly that we have a backlog. We have to raise up in one year 1,000 pastors just for his movement alone. 1,000. So you know what we're doing? They call them Zoom Rooms. Zoom Rooms are when you go into the middle of a jungle, you put up a satellite dish, you get a computer, big screen TV, not that big, but big, um, and you put that all together, and he says, we will bring in 15 young pastors, they will sit there, they'll have a crash course, three year course in one year, and he says, we have to move right now. There are entire villages that don't have anything, have no leadership. He says, we've got one Bible sometimes per village. And he says, somebody has to go in there and pastor these people. We've just, we've broken the bank putting Bibles into Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam simply because they've never had this need. We've, we've ordered and printed now record numbers for the entire country because people are overwhelmed with, with a desire to come and, and find the Word of God for the first time. Um, when a fellow came in from Laos, oh, I wish you could meet this guy. This is a young man who's got all these young pastors under him, going out everywhere, and they're turning the world upside down in Laos, which is a communist country. Known for persecution in the past, they're facing it head-on. Yes, they are thrown in prison, yes, they suffer, yes. But he said to me, he says, we've learned another way of dealing with communism. He says, what we do, we love them to death. And I said, how do you do that? He says, well, it's really simple. He says, we've started, and some of you have helped us with this, these mini farms. We got these mini farms to get pastors up and running. And what it is that you get them all the utens- or implements for, for farming. You give them seeds, you give them chickens, you give them fish, you give them um, uh, frogs, these massive frogs. And, uh, and you give them all of these for food and everything like that. And he says, then they raise all this and they give it away to other people. In fact, he says, it was so successful that we started fish farms and frog farms. And he says, we take all these to some areas around the countryside, and we raise so many fish. They raised 500,000 fish this year. Five, I've, I've, I've seen the pictures. These aren't huge fish, but they just raised them. They are now going and asking the communist leaders, government leaders, could you point out who all the poor people are that are starving? We'll take care of them for you and they're taking the food over to them. They're taking everything they need. They march in to government headquarters to say thank you for the list with baskets. I've seen these huge baskets. And they've got a top on them with flowers, and they've got food in there. They present them to the government communist atheistic official. Put it on his desk. And they say, we want to thank you so much for giving this opportunity to take care of these people. If you have any other needs, you come to us as Christians, we'll take care of them for you. He says, the guys just stand there, awestruck, like they've never seen this before. And then I said to him, I said, so what is the, um, what we shall, shall we say, what is the impression of the people, excuse me, and he says to me, he says, Ron, He says, so many people are coming to the Lord in these villages now. And they're seeing that the Christians are out in front, loving people, sharing, just just operating exactly as the Bible wanted us to, with love and compassion, not with fear, and with, with, with joy, peace. And he says, we are setting a new standard. So much so, he says, now take this one home with you. He says, right now, he says, you can watch a Christian walking down the street or the, the village pathway or wherever like that. And he says, unbelievers will stand back and they will look at their faces. They'll see the calmness. They'll hear them maybe laughing. They'll hear them praying. They'll hear them um, j- just with the sweetness about them and the peace of God upon them. And he says, even in the way we walk is different. There's a lightness to it. And He says it is not uncommon now for unbelievers to take their fingers and point to one another and say Christian When that happens, you know, you've got a revival on your hands You've know you've got a reputation that we've been waiting for it's happening now throughout Southeast Asia Um, Serbia we've some of you that get our material and and helping us you know that in serbia in in europe eastern europe we are working there with um they call themselves gypsies we're supposed to call them romani and uh, roma okay Uh, the only problem is when i'm in there i ask them i say what would you like us to call you and they say well we're gypsies okay that's good so if you don't mind i will use the term gypsy because that's what they use. In fact, I can show you the picture in front of their church. It says Gypsy Church. So therefore, that's as good as you can get. So these folks are coming to the Lord, and I've never, ever been involved with something as big as this, in a people who are discriminated against as a people group. And the, the one place in Leskovac, they've got a thousand people in the largest evangelical church in all of Serbia. I, I was just there and it's amazing. I saw everything. We bought them van. We've given them food We're helping them with outreach and Bibles. There are 35,000 Bibles being delivered right now this week uh, To them here. We are I'm sitting there with the, the pastor and I said to him So what is the attitude within the church? He says people can't wait to come on Sunday and drag a friend and I said, drag a friend. He says, yes. Yeah, sometimes they don't want to come, but we drag them. And they drag them to church. And they're sitting there, and he says, the overwhelming thrust of the service is love. And we will convince them that we are different. So much so, he says, that here, he says, we have a baptismal. Now, it's not like yours. I'm sure it's here somewhere. Um, a, a baptismal. They have a kiddie pool. Blue one, about this big that high off the ground, filled with water, and they baptize people in that. They basically are doing young people, that's the number one group that are coming to the Lord, they'll baptize them 70, 80 at a time. People walk in miles from other villages just to see a baptism. They have a packed house for a baptismal. Not only that, but these people also do something a little bit different. When they go to some of their church plants that they're doing, they don't have a building, because this is in a church. This is in a circus tent, by the way. It's not a building. It's a circus tent. They don't have that in the other places, so they meet in houses. Well, it doesn't stop them from having a baptismal. They use a cooking pan. A pan that is about, hang on, about that long, by about that, that wide, by about that deep. And they will put meat in there and cook it on a big fire, etc. Things like that. Well, that's the new baptismal tank. And they put it on the ground and they will have a person get in there on their backside and uh, scrunch up as much as they can, draw their knees up, and the pastor will pour a pail of water over top of them, and that's their baptismal. I've watched it, and I can't believe it. They just keep coming and coming and coming. This church is exploding. I went out to the countryside. I'm doing this as fast as I've ever done it before. I'm sorry. Uh, I've just got, we still got to get to the good stuff. so, here I am going out into the countryside, into this area where these are, these are very, very poor people. But when they want to have a, a get-together of a church, they use what is ever there. So there was a, the, one of the churches that I went to, um, the one room would probably be this carpet area here, over to about here, squared off, about that area there. Then there was another little room on the side back here, about like that. That church held 60 people, standing only. And they would go there and they would be there in the winter time, they would take turns coming coming in to get warm with a little fire that was there. And I looked at this, I looked at the people, I looked at their clothes, I looked at their houses. These are people that have only one hope in life, that is Jesus. And they've come out of everything. And they've come to the Lord and they are strong. They are strong in their witnessing, their prayer, they're simple. These are simple folks. But at the same time, they love Jesus desperately. And I said to the pastor, I said, "How, how many of those churches could we start right now if you had the manpower and if we had the facilities? He says, right now, within a 20 minute drive in any one direction, we could instantly start 20 churches. And he says, they just keep coming more and more. I says, has it ever been like this before? He says, never. And I said, when did it begin? COVID. That's it. It's when they started to love. Um, okay. Is it hot in here? Is it me? <laughs> I'm going to take you to the Ukraine very quickly. And this one you probably have not heard on the news. In fact, I would, I would doubt it that they would talk about God on the news. But anyway, um, we got a call probably about, I'm gonna say April. We got a call from the Bible Society and the Ukrainian Bible Society and they could not get Bibles printed um, quickly or New Testaments printed quickly. They were gonna need four to six months to get it done for various reasons, Uh, they just couldn't get it done. So they phoned us and said, would you be able to do it quicker? We said we'll try to do it as quick as we can, and we went and we checked. We printed in Istanbul, Turkey. We got the paper on a ship that was being unloaded. We printed them, and we've done 150,000 of these. These are Ukrainian New Testaments. We did 50,000 Russian New Testaments for the people from the eastern part of the country. And we've also done 15,000 of these. This is for the military. These are camouflage um, New Testaments. Now they've... Also, the military got in touch with us about six weeks ago, I think it was, and they said we would like 20,000 more. And therefore, we printed them. The original run, we, were able, we shocked, we shocked uh, Elsbeth in uh, Paris, France. Um, the original one that was gonna take four to six, weeks, uh, four to six months, we did in 11 days. Um, from the time we uh, got the order until we delivered inside Ukraine was 11 days. And we got them, delivered them, they gobbling them up. I can show you pictures. You know that um, nuclear power plant that you see in the news every once in a while? Well, that is where the bulk of the people are that are receiving them right now. We've done other areas, but that area is very, very receptive to the gospel. We've got pictures where pastors and evangelists are having our boxes ripped open. People are coming. It's just a sea of hands to try to get a copy of this. We've talked to this one pastor who's involved. He's an evangelist with a team of evangelists all over that part of the country. And he says, Ron, all the scripture that you're producing, it's not going to waste. We now distribute in one day what it would take a year or two to distribute before. And he says, everybody is hungry. Everybody is spiritually empty. This was a cold country to the gospel before, extremely cold. But now it has come to a point where everybody wants to know the truth. So I said, so do you have tracks? And he says, and this is true all around the world now, the New Testament has turned into a tract. And all you have to do is start the people as to where the gospel is. So they're not doing tracts now sometimes. They're just saying, read the New Testament. It's all there. And they guide them through that. We, for years, never thought of that. We thought we had to have a primer. Not when people are starving to death for spiritual truth. You give them this, this is what they want. It's the word of God. It resonates with them. It answers all the questions. And that's what's going on in Ukraine right now. And uh, we'll probably be doing more coming up. He said to me, he says, The war opened the ears of the entire nation and opened the eyes of every seeker to, to the spiritual things. And he says, this we've never had before in Ukraine's history. Israel just came back from there. Oh boy. Um, they are experiencing the beginning stages of a revival. Uh, I'm sitting there with the leaders of the evangelical, shall we say, messianic congregations, I uh, with the head of the Bible Society, I was with some of the leaders of the Arabic speaking congregations and everybody said the same thing. Numbers are, are off scale. In other words, he said to me, this one brother, he's sitting across from me at lunch and he had an Arabic speaking congregation and he says, Ron, we're plumb full. He says, never been this full before. And he says, we don't know where we're gonna put the people. And he says, this is the first time this has ever happened. And I said, why? Because he says, under COVID, we didn't run and hide. We loved everybody. And he says, this just got around to everyone. They would come to us and ask us for food. They would come and we would be able to help them and supply them with it. They would come and they would have sickness. We would pray for them. And he says, and they would be healed. And he says, this just kept on going. Not only that, but when I was with one brother there and he's in Haifa, in the lower part. He's got a large church, one of the biggest churches in the entire country, and he says, yeah, we're gonna start two more churches, another one in the north, another one in the south, because we're full and everybody wants to come. And I said, was this ever in your plans? Never. And he says, now it's a full revival. The Spirit of God is moving, they are studying the Word of God, prayer meetings. He says prayer meetings go on and on and on. Worship times. Just keep coming and growing and the spirit he said in the services has reached a a, a Fever pitch shall we say that has never been experienced before I was there last Saturday And I'm sitting in the service and I could understand what he means This was on Mount Carmel and where the fire of God came down remember Elijah prophets of Baal, etc It's a church on that very spot and I tell you it was fire Uh, It was incredible and that Is a brand new day for Israel. Now we get to the big one and uh, here we go. Uh, I'm going to take you to Ethiopia and I'm going to tell you probably about the second greatest turning to God in the world other than China. That's by sheer numbers alone. By the way in China they sent out um, word to me when I was in Bangkok and they said um, some of the leaders there that I know, um, they said, everything is going great. We've had 40 pastors thrown in prison, please pray for them. But the church is growing on every front. And he says, we cannot keep up with the growth. He says, everyone's unemployed um, in, in the cities, etc. cetera. And he says, everybody has a, a yearning to just sit and talk about where to find hope. And they are looking at Christians for answers. And I said, so are the pastors busy? He says, busy? He says, they don't even know where, when they're gonna sleep. He says, everybody keeps phoning them, waking them up, wanting them to tell them how to accept the Lord. And he says, they are winning people to Christ over telephone calls right now. And he says, this is unparalleled before. I said, so how many Bibles do they need right now in the country? Well, he says, 40 million will be a good start, 40 million just to keep up with the growth in the church. And I said, so this is a big number. He says, well, it's a big country. (laughs) And I said, this is true. Okay, that being said, Ethiopia. In March and in um, just coming back from right now, we sent out 6,000 evangelists throughout the country. These are guys who came from another religion. I've got to be careful here, but I hope you can read between lines. Um, they came from another religion. They have come to know the Lord, our powerful witnesses. These are evangelist pastors, apologists. They understand what they left behind and where they are going right now. They are motivated. They go out 6,000 at a time, spreading out all over the country. We have... Paid for them. Basically, we gave them bus fare and a sandwich. And they went out, and they have won to the Lord in under March, some in the summertime, and also the last one. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. I could keep walking across the stage and back again, and I wouldn't get to the real number. I'm telling you. I won't tell you the number because you won't believe it. It is something which has never happened before. We've got the proof. We've got all the leaders of the country all uh, telling us the same story. So much so that they are requesting right now um, that we help them with an immediate 400,000 full Bibles like this one right here. That is the key to everything in that country right now. And I said to them, I said, so are they, are they coming now just like a, a, a whim or is there some depth? The one leader told me this and he put it in very graphic terms. He says, what's happening is this, that when they leave their old religion, that old traditional religion, when they leave that and they hear the message or they'll have a dream or a vision from the Lord opening their mind and their eyes, He says, all of a sudden, it's like a switch is turned on. And he went over, he was in my office, he went over to the wall and flipped my switch, the light switch on. And he says, when it's flipped on, all of a sudden, he says, they can see. All of a sudden, the fog in their mind, in their thinking, disappears just like that. And he says, all of a sudden, he says, they get a hunger, they sense their lostness, and there is a depth within them to seek truth like never before. And he says, nothing will stop them at that point. These people are motivated. And he says, that is why right now it's just taken off. Um, When the 6,000 were sent out, and they went out to the various villages, etc they had all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people except Christ but realize this that sometimes they weren't letting those evangelists go home after 2 months and this shows me something and the leader told me this he says ron what happened was is that after a couple of 3 months these evangelists wanted to go home with their families but they were literally being kidnapped by the new converts and they were being, it's a Christian kidnapping, it's okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> and, and they were being kidnapped by these new converts and held there, not, not tied up, but they were on their knees begging them not to go. You know why? Because they were afraid that their loved ones in other villages all around, the people that didn't know the truth yet, they were afraid they were gonna die before the evangelists got back to tell them the story. They beg them to stay. That is a proof of being born again. When you recognize the lostness of the souls of people who do not believe the gospel. This is absolute proof that these people are walking with Christ. The switches come on. They are hungry for God. They do anything to get a copy of God's word. Literally. In this, And you're going to say, oh Ron, this can't be true. Give me a story. Okay, I'll give you a story. There was a witch doctor in one of these villages. He had, he was known all over the country. He had over 8,000 followers. These are people of high rank. And here they are, amazed at what happened to this witch doctor. When the gospel was presented to him, he had demonic episodes. They cast the demons out of him. He became strong in the Lord. They said to him one time, they said, why don't you invite all your 8,000 friends to come and share the gospel with them? So he says, yes, I will. So he got them all together. How many does this place hold, Stephen? Pardon me? 2,000? Okay, multiply this by four times. All right? He invited all of his friends. He goes in and he gives the testimony, telling them the gospel, preaches his little heart out. 3,000 immediately accepted Christ. Not only that, but they brought all their witchcraft books, amulets, whatever else, and they put them on a pile, and they got 3,000 of these in return when they did that. After a while, after it sunk in, after it was explained to the other 5,000, all 5,000 of those accepted the Lord too. But immediately it was 3,000. These things don't happen except today today in this era that we're living in. There was another lady, another lady I was told about, and she was in an outlying area, an evangelist went into the village. She, dem- she was demon possessed. She started to scream and shriek when he just walked into the village. So what he did was he went over to her, he prayed for her, she was delivered immediately. All of a sudden, that spread to all the villages around. Everybody started to come over and ask, and say, what's happening here? Thirty churches were started that day. Thirty! Just because of one incident. And I can can go on, there's there's so many more. I don't know what to do. To try to convince people that this is the greatest turning to God in the last 2,000 years, bar none. Nothing even comes close to this. The persecution that I'm supposed to talk about today is there, but when I talk to all these guys around the world, like I told you before, they say, yes, we're being persecuted. That's the price tag that a bondservant pays for doing the work of the master. That's what we will suffer. We will come against opposition all the time. We won't talk about it because the master is taking us through it. What we want to talk about are the number of people that are coming to Christ. And that's why I'm coming to you today with a request. And I know this is a big ask, but we've had something happen that I need help with. The the 400,000 Bibles that we requested, we had a group of people come across, and what they did, they bought 400,000 dollars worth of paper because paper is in short supply around the world, especially Bible paper. Everything is drying up. You probably went into Staples and you can't get card stock, can you? Card stock is in short supply right now. Paper is drying up. We bought 400,000 in advance and that will do 400,000 copies. So what we need to do now is print them and deliver them and that will cost two dollars. So we've got the paper, that would be in this, which costs a dollar, and we've got two dollars to print it and to deliver it. I need your help. The church in Ethiopia desperately needs your help at this time. We do not know how many people, once they get their hands on this, will accept Christ just from the Bible. This will, you, you can't, you have to undergird the moving of the Spirit of God with the Word of God, or it will dissipate. That's rule number one. Rule number two is this. When these people make this ink and paper into flesh and blood, then this motivates them even greater to go out and demonstrate Christ to their friends and loved ones and neighbors and everyone around. This is the motivating power. The Spirit of God works through the Word of God to bring in the harvest. And that's why right now, if you can help us, I would really appreciate it. I'll be honest. Um, I know, I know these are tough times. Um, I know very well the cost of living is going up. I know very well that a lot of people are struggling. But if you can help with whatever you can do, we'd appreciate it. I've got on the back table my usual spot card like this, and it's got a QR code on it. I love QR codes. I, I've fallen in love with QR codes. I don't know why, but anyway that will take you to the exact spot on our website to Tune in and you can donate online or whatever and I've got how can I helps back there? uh, little packages with an envelope in folks I'm begging on behalf of the people of Ethiopia not for myself. I'm begging for them Please if you can do something to bring in this harvest. It's huge and I believe that this is the time this is the time like we'll never have again. We've, we've had COVID, it's opened eyes and ears, and now we can bring in the harvest. This is where we're at today. I have come to this church over the years. You've been so good. You have come across and you've won more people to the Lord. In fact, I don't know a church in Canada that has done what you have done for the world. I appreciate it. And um, now we're in the ninth inning, two out, and we need to hit a home run. If you can help us, we'd appreciate it. Father, I just ask for my friends here. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would encourage them. Encourage them right now with what you're doing. There have been some hard times here, in this city and in this church. COVID was difficult. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would show them that there's a victory around the world to be won, that people in all these countries are standing apart from the crowd, that we have been called for a time such as this to show how we are different. And Father, I am asking you to bless this congregation. I'm asking you to lift it up, to give it energy, Holy Spirit energy, I'm asking you to give them a burden for the lost. I'm asking you to give them that depth of experience like they have in India right now, where that revival has broken out, where there's this this yearning for the Bible to study the Word of God, where there's this compassion that's going to give whatever they've got to the people around them. Father, let the believers in this town know that we are different. I'm sorry, let, let the unbelievers in this town Know that we are different, that we stand apart from the crowd, that the Spirit of God, as in the day of Pentecost, did something within us that changed us. We look different. Father, I pray for this right now, and I pray for the persecuted church around the world. Father, for those that are suffering, give them hope, give them strength, give them an end of their suffering, let them let, have them released. Father, you said that nothing will come against us that we cannot take, we can't overcome, that you will be there all the time. And Father, I pray for this right now, that you, Father, would be beside them in those cells, in their situations. Let them not give up, but hold tight to you. I pray for these things and ask you to do this all. In Jesus' name, amen.